Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast to help you be the best you can be to grow your business, your relationships and personal life. Our conversations with thought leaders and everyday people will inspire you. My mission is to show how positivity helps us all live a more rewarding and meaningful life. Hello, I'm Robin Stratton-Burkessel, host of Positivity Strategist. Today, I'm so excited to talk with my very special guest, who's also my most wonderful friend and colleague, Kathy Joseph. Kathy has much to share about her experiences with Appreciative Inquiry. And what's especially exciting and totally current, Kathy has just recently returned from an amazing project in Islamabad in Pakistan. I'm hoping Kathy will share highlights of her time in Pakistan and what touched her so much about this work. Kathy, since you're here with me in the studio today, a huge hug and a huge welcome to Positivity Strategist. Oh, thank you. It is absolutely fantastic to be here. <laughs> Great. So Kathy is an independent consultant and trainer with a specialization in talent management and strength-based change. Now, Kathy, as I look at you over there, you and I have been friends and colleagues since we first met at the AI, the Appreciative Inquiry Certificate Program, that's the Positive Business and Society Change Program at Case Western Reserve University 10 years ago. I know. It's amazing, isn't it, how the time has flown? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> amazing. I know. And it's been so fantastic. And we're both in the New York region, so we get to see each other quite often and do some work together. And we've been buddies all this time. So I consider you, as you know, one of my very dear friends. But you know, Kathy. I don't think I've, in all this time, I've actually heard your story of how you first became aware of Appreciative Inquiry and what called you to make that investment and sign up for the six-month program. So can we start there? Oh. What's your story about Appreciative Inquiry? What led you there? And, you know, I can't believe I never told you this. <laughs> I had been working at GE Capital for just over six years. And that's really my, my basis for learning talent management. And I got laid off. They, there was a reorganization and my group, which was uh, GE Capital Corporate, was totally disbanded into four new businesses. And in job search for the first time, looking around, what am I supposed to do next? I was on the ASTD site and that's where I saw that David had just won the ASTD award for the best uh, project, change project. And there was a reference to Diana Whitney's book uh, and Amanda Trostenblum's book on the Hunter Douglas case. So I, I read this and I thought, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And I said, I have to find this book. And I went to the, the, the one bookstore in Stamford, Connecticut, and they had one book left on the shelf. And I immediately took it home and I got halfway through. And yet to this day, I've never read the rest of the book because the first half of it is that I have to study this. Mm -hmm. It was calling to me in such a deep way. And I, I had no idea where to start. And I called a friend of mine and said, who do you know who might direct me into where I can find information? And she said, well, I have two friends. And uh, so I talked to the one who said, oh, I know who you have to talk to. And that person had taken our course <laughs> the year before. So that's how I got there. And I just knew from the moment uh, that I read it that it was right. There were so many things that I, I loved about the GE culture. 
But there were others where I just was not a fit. And I knew intuitively that I needed to be participative Mm -hmm. in the way I was leading. And that was so against the culture. And Mm -hmm. uh, I found a home with AI just in that one simple premise that, you know, getting everybody together to have a voice and to be able to bring out what's the best. And I, I intuitively was looking for what worked best, which again was very counter to the Mm -hmm. GE mindset of, of fixing problems. So, Mm -hmm. so much resonated with me. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that I similarly had the story of where somebody said to me, Robin, you will love this. It's exactly the kind of thing that you will love to do. And so many people that I speak to when I inquire into how they first became aware of appreciative inquiry, either it was uh, hearing or seeing or reading something about the thought leader David Cooper Ryder doing something in this space and being so touched by it and then having this high recommendation it's something that you will just love. So it's very much a heartfelt connection with this way of working in the world. Mm -hmm. And so much leadership development is all in the head, right? Mm -hmm. So. It's just um, a way that really connects with who you are. Mm-hmm. So it would be fabulous if you would continue and perhaps share a high point story that listeners can get a, a real sense of who you are. So a high point story, something that shines the light on you and the multiple contributions of your work in this field and why it matters to you and those in your world, the people that you're connecting with. Mm. So is there a story that you could share with us about that? <laughs> and it may be something in Pakistan, it, it may not. It just may be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is that I, I was contacted by one of the participants in this class and we were back and forth on uh, on email and I, I wrote to her and I said, I know in the future when I'm asked what's a high point experience, said, this is going to be it. And meeting you and the other people in the class absolutely is something that Mm -hmm. is one of the high points of my life. I used to say it was our corset case Mm -hmm. because meeting people who were like-minded was something that I had never experienced. And I, I don't know if you remember, but on the last day of our class in case, I, I was sobbing. I just, I was sobbing. I couldn't stop because I felt such a loss that I was not going to have contact with these incredibly positive people who, who were just so focused on doing well in the world. From all over the world. From exactly. Mm -hmm. We had classmates from all over, including you from Australia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was a lone American here, but it, it is, um, it, it, it's it was it was so transformative for me on so many levels and then just now last week I can't believe it was last week you know having been in Pakistan and doing this project it it was a UNICEF project and it's just now starting and so I can't really talk much about it because it's it's their project to run and and, and to to let it come to life but hopefully in another year or so I, I would love to come back and share more about uh, what was done there on that project. But I was I was training a core group of people and using the process and helping them understand how they might use it to the benefit of the project as they're interviewing 12 to 20-year-olds throughout the country. And what was, there were so many pieces that were powerful and high point experiences for me. One is that I, I've never even in GE, come across so many analytical people that were not willing to give up that analytics. You know, actually, I think, no, I, I actually think if I probably tried doing this with colleagues at GE, they, they would be a little resistant to back in that day. Uh, although I think that is shifting quite a lot in, in U.S. business. 
But coming across people who uh, were so insistent that interviews had to be focused on the problem. You need to be able to do your analysis up front and really understand what is the situation and then focus your questions to, to really hold up all that pain and suffering and all the things that go on, on with those problematic situations, wherever in the world that might be where these people were doing their interviews. And being able to use the simplicity of AI and focusing on high point experiences and, mm-hmm. and, and dreams of the future was, was very difficult for some of the people. And that surprised me. Um, they were, in fact, insistent that it was not going to work with children who were not, especially where we piloted this program, uh, which is a, a place I want to tell you about. They said these were troubled children who would never be able to be able to share that uh, or even think about a dream for the future. So, Kathy, can I just ask you, yes. um, perhaps you could just share with us when we talk about a high point experience, mm. what it is that we are, we are facilitating or enabling mm. the, the people going through this interview process mm-hmm. to connect with. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, what happened with you when mm-hmm. you tell your high point experience, what you were able to connect with, and then when you're talking about your situation with these in the school situation in Pakistan, what it is that by focusing on a high point story or a high point time, it brings something out. Mm -hmm. And joy was the the word we used. So we did not use the word high point when we were structuring the interviews for the students. Uh, Mm. We used the word joy. You know, a time when you were, when, when it's something that gave you joy, something that brought you happiness. What, what was that? Mm. Uh, and they were there, they embraced it and they, and their dreams for the future were fantastic. They knew exactly what they were able to do and being able to talk about it with this core group I'd been working with for several days afterwards, they were literally blown away by the results and all of their fears about why this would not work, even though they they experienced the power of it themselves. You know, to, in this situation, in this particular school, especially that they were able to embrace this, they were they were speechless. They were stunned. So that being able to see that transformation to from resistant, resistant, resistant uh, to oh my gosh, this is absolutely fantastic. That that was one high point. Another was just these incredible people who I met who. They come from such a varied background from all across the country and the things that they've experienced, the things that they've done, it's boggling to me, the the richness of their lives and and what they bring to, to what they do. It's something that that touches me so deeply. This school where we piloted this program is called the, the Marshall Model School and meeting the founder of this, uh, Ziba Hussein, another just totally transformational conversation that I had. This is somebody who lived her vision. She was trained here in the U.S. Uh, to, to, to be a teacher. She was a Montessori teacher. She did some training in, in the U.K. Uh, she is Pakistani. She moved back to Pakistan. And she she ran into some children in the street. They have children in the streets that are they're washing your car windows with squeegees and uh, or selling flowers and then asking for money for that. And she was talking to those children. And when they found out she was a teacher, they said, we, we want to study. We want to learn. Mm. And she said, if I build a school, will you come to that? Mm. And they said, yes, yes, we'll come to that. So exactly like Field of Dreams, but, you know, in this slum, really outside of Islamabad, she built a school. 
And now there's over 600 children there getting a, a, a government-approved education. That's their government curriculum. Plus, she brings her Montessori work to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much that she's giving back to these children. She's instilling self-sufficiency to them. She's taken them off the streets. She's helped them understand what their rights are, how to take care of mm-hmm. themselves. And one of them, she shared a story, was able to leave this mm-hmm. school and uh, go to the government school and then asked to come back Mm. because of the quality of the education Mm. they were getting. They so value this education. They they so value their teachers and the kindness of their teachers and and what these teachers are enabling them to to obtain in terms of their education and where it's going to get them. There's so many layers upon this of, you know, her, the students, the teachers, and, and seeing them together. And at the end of this time, when they were sharing their visions of the future, it was just absolutely fantastic. It's, it, it's boggling to even think about all the layers that were there. So, Kathy, that's just simply extraordinary what you've just shared and the impact that this has had on those kids when it was perceived that maybe they wouldn't know how to be able to dream a different future. And yet how you, how you trained these people in the AI process to be able to ask these questions, to bring out the joy in the kids and what the future might be in terms of their dreams. And you show, you showed me some of these beautiful drawings that they did. Maybe you could just describe what some of those drawings were that depicted the kids' futures mm. in Pakistan. Well, it's, it's not surprising giving this particular school and uh, the community that has been built with the students and teachers mm. and, and with Zeba that several of them wanted to be teachers. They wanted mm. to find a way to carry that forward. Mm-hmm. Education is incredibly important to them, They what they're learning there, and they want to be able to pass that on. One that touched me so much was uh, somebody who wanted to be a doctor who did not charge for his services. Mm-hmm. Just this feeling of giving back, you know, that was just mm-hmm. I- incredible. Um, there was a lot about you know, togetherness, you know, people uh, of all you know, groups together, uh, playing together, being together, living mm-hmm. together. Uh, it was very inclusive in their thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, oh. it was a little hard because everything was in Urdu. So I was relying on an interpreter to understand you know, <laughs> what was going on. The, the one that, that just broke my heart in so many ways was uh, a, a girl who drew a house and she drew a window in that house. And that window was very important because she doesn't currently have one. And her dream was to be able to sit in a chair and look up through the window at the sun. Mm. That That's just a simple dream for the future. Yeah. And that's so doable, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. These are, these are not massive, you know, mm. huge initiative kinds of dreams. Mm. These, are, these are all doable. But the other thing too, we're talking about these kids in this amazing school in Pakistan seeking connection and wanting to serve and wanting to be together, Mm. that's so required in our organisations here in the United States and in our communities. So, you know, this is a universal theme of humanity. It's about our collective story. Mm -hmm. So this is just extraordinary. So we will have some links to this school in our show notes. So if people are interested in finding out more, um, I think it would be lovely for them to be able to do that. Oh, so that's great. We'll Thank include you. that link. Mm. 
I just like to, you know, you you were working in this area, and there's so much more work and other work that you've done. Perhaps you could share with us what positivity means to you. Mm. Well, there is being positive, and then, uh, but I don't think that's positivity necessarily. To me, positivity is. It, it is a way of being. It is a mindset. It's a philosophy. It's it, exactly as we say AI. We, we live AI. We, we practice being AI. We are appreciative. That's a mindset. It's a philosophy. I think that's also true of positivity. And you, the study of positive emotions, that's certainly a part of it. There's so many parts that make up the whole. But I, I think that in at its very basic level, it is the fundamental knowing that things really are okay they're good they're even in moments of darkness it's a moment and it will it will transform into something better um, there were some periods that of my life that just were very very difficult and yet that fundamental knowing that at the end of the day I was okay. I was going to be all right is to me an element of positivity. It's something that allowed me to get through very, very difficult times. So it's not surprising to you know, grow up and find Barbara Fredrickson mm-hmm. in our in our studies at Case and, and the reservoir of resiliency that you build up with that. I think that it's it's very much of what got me through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think the resiliency is great. And other conversations I'm having is that resiliency is not necessarily and only limited to our own individual resiliency, but we can talk about collective resiliency. Mm. Oh, isn't that a great concept? Resilient organizations, Mm -hmm. resilient schools, um, resilient perspectives in the world, things that, you know, I might have described them as having a degree of continuity or sustainability. But I think I like this notion of resiliency that we can rise again. We can bounce back from any negative or unforeseen circumstances that Mm -hmm. perhaps haven't served us well or have been de-energizing and a little bit life-sapping as opposed to life-giving. So to me it's very much focused also on the energizing life giving life force capacity. Mm. So I think it's something that we're really becoming more aware of and it's entering into our conversations more today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering, next question. Yes. <laughs> um, maybe it's kind of the opposite that. I'm just going to jump to how do you how do you deal with people who who have this default negative view of the world, thinking that it's it's intellectual or it's a mind that we have to put on our critical thinking hats to look at things from a deficit perspective because that's what we're educated into. You know, I I know that I've had MBA students come up to me and in their resumes they say, I'm a great problem solver. Now, I think we do need to solve problems, but it's, you know, it's a yin and the yang. Which side of the problem do we focus on You know, that can continue to bring us down or de-energize us or is there another way of looking at a problem and looking at what already works and what isn't broken Mm -hmm. that we can take to another level so I've just wondered if you have something you could share with us about how you have dealt with that kind of 
comment or objection or concern or that mindset? Mm-hmm. Well, it is what I grew up with. <laughs> I was surrounded by that. And I, even at a young age, I understood that if somebody who takes that negative point of view, that is their reality. That is what they experience. That is their truth. You cannot say that doesn't exist mm-hmm. or that is just your viewpoint because to them that is their entire world. So I've, I've had a lot of experience with hearing that. I've come to understand I can speak my point of view. I can try and give another perspective. And sometimes I can open up just a little window so that somebody will say, well, that, that, might, ha- that might be okay. And much like last week, there was resistance to this, this expansive way of working, of, of future-focused and focusing mm-hmm. on dreams and what's working well. And, and we had a little baby, baby step. Well, yes, no, that, that, that did work well. And I can, I can use it in my other work, but I, I'm really questioning this. And it was another baby step. Well, you know, I, yes, 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 that one, I, I really like that. We'll definitely use that. But, you know, it's not going to work with the kids. And then mm-hmm. seeing it work with the kids. It, so it, it was really, last week was a great example of being able to shift that baby step by baby step. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, yesterday I caught up with a friend of mine who's, I, I've known him for, I don't know, 20, 30 years or something. And, and I said, Oh, you know, I, I forgot to tell you that I, I'm calling to tell you that I'm back from Pakistan, but I forgot to tell you that I left. And he said, Oh, well, I'm so glad you didn't tell me that you left because I would have been so worried about you. There's all all these beheadings going on. And I I wanted to know that you were safe. And I said, nobody was being beheaded in Pakistan. Mm. And he was telling me this Mm. whole fear-based viewpoint of the world and how scary it is and how terrible it is and how awful it is and I said you know even with that I think that in the long run there's something that will come that's good Mm -hmm. that people will now I think there's a possibility of people banding together to say this is just something that has to stop and we're not going to take it anymore Mm -hmm. and I I do believe that even in the depths of something bad something good can come of it Mm. and and i think that goes back to what is positivity Mm. it is just my default mindset Mm -hmm. and i will always look for something that's working well and i will always look for those those pieces of hope those pieces that you can latch on to to say maybe this maybe there's something here that can shift a longer term thinking Mm. that's beautiful yeah and it comes down to being intuitive or feeling that this perspective on the world resonates and that's why it was like of course I want to go out there and find out more about appreciative inquiry and get the certification so I can go out there and apply it in the world so that happened for you that happened for me and for most other people I know it just resonates with them that there is within us this ability to see the world through a different set of lenses Mm. and the lenses that there is hope and possibility Mm-hmm. and that we're continually moving in that direction. So yeah. I want to add on to something like that with that, and that is the that overwhelming feeling I had of, of being with like-minded people because now for the first time ever, I was with an entire room full of people around the world who embraced that same mindset that I had mm-hmm. that uh, did not believe that paradigm that I grew up in mm-hmm. and did not believe in the in the corporate paradigm I had learned in the six years previously. Mm-hmm. It, they, they had focused on something better. And I realized that what David had created in his language around appreciative inquiry is that 
he gave me a way to talk about and and to have credibility for my own thinking. Mm. There's all of a sudden now this process and there's there's uh, history and there's ways that this has worked. And it was something now that I could latch on to to say, yes, this is a process that I use. It's not just me being Pollyanna here. Mm. This is a process that exists. It's been used since this period of mm. time. And having that language to describe something that I do and that I live was very important to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're reminding me of a lovely quote, and I don't think I'm going to get it right, but it's Joe Javolsky who wrote Synchronicity, mm-hmm. and it's about we actually describe the world we see mm-hmm. Yes, so, yeah. rather than the other way around because mm-hmm. if we are seeing the world as full of possibility and hope and the goodness and the humanity and the human dignity, if we see that, that's how we'll describe the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think about the, the person you're describing who is looking at the world through a lens of fear, then that's he's seeing the world in this way, so he's going to describe the world in this way. Mm-hmm. And so I see that positivity in all this is, is really about it's another reality. It mm-hmm. is real as well. Mm-hmm. So because some people say, well, you know, oh, well, I'm a realist. <laughs> Which means negative. (laughs) It means I only see the bad. That's it. (laughs) Or I see things very objectively, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. But hey, seeing the world as a place that's to be celebrated and a place that's to be valued and a place that's to be nurtured and seeing the dignity and love in other human beings is also real. Yes, it is. (laughs) And it's much more fun. (laughs) It's a much better world in which to live. It's much more life Life-centric. Yeah. Yes. It's life-centric, and yeah. that's one of the things. And they are side-by-side. Side. Yes, of mm. course there's, there's you know, awful people in the world, but I, I do think that the minority, I mm. do think the great majority are wonderful human beings that have so much to offer and so much that drives them that that is just love-based and, and wanting to reach out and wanting to be inclusive. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, those people don't get to be shown on the six o'clock news <laughs> because it's not newsworthy, is mm-hmm. it? You know, a yeah. beheading is newsworthy. That's mm-hmm. that's what makes the news. And, yeah. you know, and it has its place. I understand. Yeah. So it's this notion of leading with the heart mm-hmm. as opposed to just leading with the head. You need both. But if we had just a little bit more heart in mm-hmm. our organizations I, and in our communities... And I'm hopeful because I believe in, you know, I believe in seeing the world as a beautiful place and that we as human beings can strive to be the best that we can be. Absolutely. And I I think it's very interesting that organizations are shifting to that. So we're now talking about leaders who are leading more from the heart and mm. and. Isn't that interesting that that makes news now? You know, it's like, isn't that interesting? A, a leader who finds a way to to actually have the heart for what they're doing. And I think that it will open up more. So you're finding it, and now it has a label, you know, this, this kind of leadership, or there's an example of it. And it gives people now the ability to say, well, that is me, but I was afraid to show that. So they can do a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's shifting. I think it is very much shifting. And even when we talk about, uh, you, you mentioned the, the book on synchronicity, you know, much has been changing within organization development to think of more about this holistic approach. Who would have guessed that, you know, mm. 10 years ago? It, it was so on the fringe. Mm. So 
I do think that things are shifting for the better in so many areas of the world. Mm. And we need more of those stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. So I'm just wondering now on this um, this lovely note, is there a is there an aspirational topic or a big conversation that you'd like to be that you'd like to see happening in the world that would be energizing and we could we could get our you know get behind and move the world in a direction where we feel that we are more focusing on the things that we share and have in common mm-hmm. just as you found it with those kids <laughs> in Pakistan versus the things that that keep us apart mm-hmm. You know, my my heart still goes back, funny enough, to large corporations. I'm, I had a fantastic time in my, my six years at GE. And at that point, there were, I think, 350,000 employees worldwide. Um, or as I used to say, the sun does not set on GE. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if that's still true. It probably is. And part of what so energized me about our certificate program was that it was in positive business and society change. And the power of business to change the world. You're seeing in this school um, that they are reliant on on donations. Um, their partnerships um, give them a certain amount. You know, so one partnership is giving each of these 600 students a a container, a small container of milk a month. That's that's great. It would be nice if this corporation that happens to to, to be quite a, a big and prosperous one were able to give a little bit more, but maybe there's other organizations. So that's just one way a, a, an organization can change. But when I think about the kind of lives that an organization touches, we, we live at work you know, at least eight, if not more hours a day, at least five days, if not more a week. Uh, I, I would still love to see business make change. And I... I am an advocate of, of, of corporate social responsibility and sustainability. I, I would like to see organizations, corporations specifically, do more. Um, because I do believe that the power of those corporations can change the world. And I would love to be a part of that conversation. I've been trying for quite some time to be a part of that mm-hmm. conversation. And that, too, is shifting. Mm-hmm. When I first started talking about it, when we came back from case, people were going, you're crazy. You know, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But surely, you know, little by little, company by company, things start opening. They, they start understanding mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah, we can make a difference. And it's good business for us to make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's not just giving uh, a charitable gift, mm-hmm. which is great to be able to do that but to actually be hands-on making change and that is what draws me to be a part of conversations where you know i i can just see you know, businesses working with the ngos working with governments and and i believe that we need to have change agents there and i i do think that ai is the way to go that positive change methodology that really gets those conversations to be rich and to energize people mm-hmm. to go into action it's something that I think is still becoming in the world. It's certainly not there 100%, but I think the, the conversation's shifting, and I, I definitely want to be a part of it. That's great, yeah. It's because that those kinds of conversations start with, tell me what's already working. What are you already doing that is having some kind of impact? Mm-hmm. So you recognize, wow, you know, there's some goodness going on here. We're actually doing something already. Let's do more of that. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of this constructionist principle that you referred to earlier that it's the language that we use in relationships that when you actually have these conversations, not only are you 
talking about this, but you're actually helping create it. Yes. Yes. And that is just extraordinarily powerful. When you get that sense of awareness and we heighten our consciousness to that, mm-hmm. you can't help but stop and notice. And and as you say, 10 years ago, these sort of things might have been not so common, but they're becoming more common today. They are. Yeah. And isn't that a nice thought? It's a great thought. <laughs> it's a it's fabulous a very nice thought. thought. And it's so interesting about just, yes, asking the questions, how that shifts. And, you know, one of those things that, that so touched me was uh, somebody in, in the class that I taught last week had emailed me that she went home and she used the AI process with her niece and her nephew and they loved it. Actually, she said the results were awesome, which is a word I did not hear all week in Pakistan, but it was awesome. And uh, she's been using it with her friends and colleagues and family and so within that immediate community already the conversation has shifted change has happened Mm -hmm. and that is so exciting Mm -hmm. that's great Kathy this has been such a fantastic uplifting fun conversation I can feel the energy and I can see it because you're (laughs) sitting here in the room with me which is such a treat for me so um, is there anything else that you'd like to say that something that you would like to offer and perhaps how people can contact you might be one thing where can they reach you? Uh, well, the best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. And my my name on LinkedIn is Kathy Joseph, just like my real name. Kathy's with the C. That's one way to find me. But the only thing I have to add is, is how wonderful this has been to do this with you. This is It's always a treat to be able to see you. And uh, to have this conversation has been incredibly uplifting and fun. So thank you. Oh, ditto. Likewise. Thank you, my dearest, wonderful friend. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Robin. You can find the show notes and links to today's episode number six, Joy in Pakistan, an untold story with my guest, Kathy Joseph, on positivitystrategist.com forward slash PS6. If you have questions or ideas that you'd like to hear discussed on upcoming episodes and possibly participate in our show, go to positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast where you can submit your ideas or leave me a voicemail. I will respond. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows. So grow towards your best.